Morning, everyone. Our reading today comes from Psalm 19. So if you'd like to grab a Bible from under the chair in front of you, the Black Church Bibles, we're on page 545, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens... God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, thanks, Belle, and uh, good morning from me. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew. Uh, I'm one of the ministers here at St. Matthew's. Hey, this is a a pretty natural time of the year, isn't it, to reflect uh, on the year past and um, prepare for the year ahead. And I want to say, as I get going this morning, that Psalm 19 that Bell has just read for us is a great place to turn any time of the year, but especially as we prepare for a new, for a new year. Uh, for my wife, Rhonda, and I, uh, 2019 has been a year characterised really by uprooting and by replanting. Uh, Back in April, we uprooted from a church community uh, that we loved and where I'd been the senior minister for 16 years. And in uh, May, we began to replant into a new church community here in Manly. Uh, We've had a wonderful welcome here and we've found it to be a place that has plenty of opportunities, great opportunities to serve the Lord, to serve his people, to serve people in this community and it's, it's also been a chance for us this year to reset a lot of things in our lives. And we've been very thankful for that. So thankful for 2019. Now imagine if we all had a chance to share our stories and reflections on 2019. 
there would be a load of stuff that we're glad to share. So many things to be thankful to God for. But equally, there would be plenty that's been heavy to carry for us this year. Uh, Griefs that we've known, sorrows, hardships, some of which you might be feeling very keenly this morning. And as you look forward to next year, I suppose there would be challenges you can see coming at you that you relish and other stresses coming your way that you're not quite sure how you'll face up to them, where you'll find the strength and the wisdom that you need. I want to say it again, Psalm 19 is a great place to turn as we prepare ourselves for another year. A question I'd like to give to you as we begin this morning is, how could you make sure that you take hold of all the value and the delight that God offers us in his word? Now, Psalm 19 is a part of the Bible that teaches us about the amazing value, about the deep delight we can find in God's word. It really is a celebration of, of God's word and its goodness. So how could you make sure that 2020 is a year where you grab hold of that value? And when you give yourself the opportunity of experiencing the delight that you can know, as you listen carefully to what God has said, as you continue to cultivate your relationship with him, it could make a massive difference, whatever your circumstances in 2020 as they unfold. So let's have a look at Psalm 19 together. It begins with a recognition of the way in which, and this is going to work, Scott, you said this would work. (laughs) Why is it not going forward? Do you want to click it? It's his clicker. And he can make it work. (laughs) Well done, mate. (laughs) Uh, Psalm 19 begins the first six verses with recognising that the creation itself, the created world, declares the glory of God. Well, do you notice the way in which Psalm 19, as, as it begins, begins with a paradox Because the created world doesn't actually have words. And yet eloquently it speaks to us of the glory of God. I mean the night sky does it for me. Uh, Any night when the stars are shining. But especially if you get out in the country away from the city lights on a cold clear night. Uh, Rhonda and I had um, a break up in the Warren Bungles a few years ago camping there. It was cold outside, but we we took a mattress outside and just lay for a while looking up at the night sky. It's an experience which which speaks of the immensity of the universe and of the immensity of God, the enormity of God, the power of God, the inventiveness of God, who almost just for our sake could place those stars out there to twinkle at us and to sing sing to us of his glory. And the sun, likewise, through the day, everywhere it goes, it spreads its warmth, it spreads its light. And that's without talking about the creatures of the world and the wonder that it is to be a human. The created world speaks to us eloquently, shouts at us of the glory of God. The world around us is constantly declaring the glory of God. Is it going to work for me this time? It has. Fantastic. Uh, The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, 
so that people are without excuse. See, everybody knows that God is there because of the world that he has made. Everybody understands the divine nature of God, the eternal power of God. And you can only deny the reality of God by suppressing that truth, which keeps popping up all over the place. To deny that God is there is a bit like the alcoholic who's already lost his wife and lost his job and is suffering from cirrhosis of the liver and says, I don't, I don't have a problem with alcohol. It's denying the truth that, that, that is shouting at us. God declares his glory in the world that he has created. God says, as we see the sun come up in the morning, God says, I am here. The creation declares the magnificence of God and the reality of God. But, but even more clearly than the created world, God has actually spoken himself. He's created us so that we could understand what he says. And he, John Calvin says, stoops down to us and speaks to us in words that we can understand. And so as well as, as declaring his glory, uh, God brings to us his written word. And his written word is incomparably valuable to us. God speaks to us of himself and ourselves, of his purposes for the world, in what we find, the words he's spoken and caused to be written down for us in the Bible. Now there are six statements from verses 7 to 9 which make this crystal clear. Look at the first one there. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The law, by the way, the, the, the word that's translated law, law there could also be translated something like instruction or teaching. It's, it's from the Hebrew word Torah, which refers to all of what God has said. It certainly includes the commandments, like the Ten Commandments, but it includes the stories that surround the giving of the Ten Commandments. It includes the story of the creation of the world. It includes the words of the prophets who brought God's word to bear in the lives of, of their contemporaries and through whom God showed the future to the world. So the law of God, the instruction of God that we find in the Bible is perfect. It refreshes the soul. Deep down within you, God changes you as you listen to his word. It has that power. So the stat statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, lasting eternally. The ordinances of the Lord are firm, making righteous, bringing us into right relationship with God. I mean, where, where else will you find all of those things in one place like you find in the Bible? Where will you find something which will renew you from within, from the very center of your being? Where will you find something that will make you wise even if you don't feel you've got a great mind? Where will you find Sometimes it will say something to you that will show you a joy that doesn't depend on whether you're having a good day or a good week or a good year or a good life. A joy that is that profound. This is what the revelation of God to us through the Bible gives to us. It gives us light. It gives us something of value into eternity. These words endure forever, which is why... Uh, David says, 
as he teaches us to sing this song in verse, verse 10, these words of God that we find in the Bible, they are more precious than gold. What he's saying is that there is it doesn't matter how much wealth you might amass to yourself, it won't give you the same value that God's word gives to you. And remember, David is writing this before the Lord Jesus has come. Before the Lord Jesus come and, has come and showed us, without a doubt, that in this chaotic world, there is a God who, who loves us, whose love we cannot earn, but we cannot lose. The Lord Jesus shows us that there is someone in charge of this chaotic world who actually knows what they're doing. And that became clear after he conquered death and evil and Satan at the cross. And he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven from where he presently rules. I mean, listen what Jesus, to what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount about the value of his words in particular. Right at the end of, of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the, windows, uh, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. You know what Jesus is saying? You build your life on my words. You learn to put them into practice. And when the storm of God's judgment comes, he will welcome you home. On that great day, you will not be shaken God will welcome you home. Now, how much, how much wealth would you have to amass to make a scrap of difference to your eternal destiny? But the words of Jesus will do that for you. you know, part of the value of the Bible is not just its promises of a, of a wondrous future for those who follow Jesus. Part of the value of, of, of the Bible is it warns us how foolish it would be to build your life on any other foundation. So Jesus goes on to say in the Sermon on the Mount, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Why would you build your life on anything apart from God's word, which we find in the Bible, which is of eternal value to us? But not only is God's word inestimably valuable, it's also wonderfully sweet. And one of the nice surprises uh, for me, uh, Christmas time this year was in, in the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the staff uh, gift sharing. Uh, I received a jar of honey uh, that came from Mark Gilbert's uh, bees. Organic honey, very tasty. I love honey. In fact, I even love honeycomb more. So maybe next year, Mark, if you're here this morning, if I could just have a little bit of honeycomb, that would be nice. Do you see what it says there in verse 10? These words of God, which are more precious than golds, uh, are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. See, our loving creator, this is what we learn in the Bible, our loving creator knitted us together in our mother's womb. Before our mums even knew we were there, he loved us. Now that same God is justly angered by our sin. This is the story of the Bible. But that same God made promises to bring blessing to people everywhere. 
by at great cost sending his son to come as one of us, to live as one of us, to die as one of us, to rise as one of us and to open the way of forgiveness for our sin. See, how, how sweet is it that Jesus, us, that Jesus teaches us we can pray our Father with him as our brother. We can come before the creator of the universe, the terrifyingly holy God, and call him Father, knowing that he is eager to hear our prayers and is able and willing to answer them. How, how sweet is it to know that wherever you are in life, whatever the circumstances of your life, you can know there is a God who loves you. And this is what we learn in the pages of the Bible. It's brilliant. It's valuable. It's sweet. I've been in a conversation recently with two people who are close to death. They've been close to death, living with the consequences and with the effects of cancer as it increasingly takes over their bodies. I've got to say, it's been a privilege to see the sweetness of their faith. In the midst of pain, in the midst of discomfort, in the midst of frustration, in the midst of feeling pretty useless, in the midst of grief at what this will mean for their family and for others who love them. One of them said to me, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I feel like a slug. I just can't do anything. I'm lying around, not doing much at all. But God knows the beginning and the end. And I trust in him. And I'm looking forward to being with him. See, Psalm 19 teaches us to celebrate the the wonder of the revelation of God's glory in the created world and the value and the sweetness of his word, which brings such delight into our lives. But you know what? My my Bible, I I worked out actually that I had at one stage 11 English translations of my Bible, uh, apart from a couple of Greek Bibles and and a Hebrew Bible as well. But they are of no value to me If they just sit on my shelf, are they? I have this incredibly valuable thing there on my shelf. Incredibly sweet. If only I'll learn to drink it in. If only I'll learn to take it into my life. So I asked at the beginning, um, what could you do in 2020? What could you do in 2020 to, to take hold of the value that we find in the scriptures? to experience the delight that comes through reading them. And you might be quite a disciplined person with your, your Bible reading, your devotional and prayerful reading of the scriptures as you build that relationship with God. But it's possible even if you're a really disciplined person to get into a bit of a rut. Routines can become a rut. Or maybe you've never really got into good habits when it comes to Bible reading and prayer. The great thing as you prepare for 2020 to reset those sorts of things, wouldn't it? And I've got a couple of suggestions which I hope will kickstart the year for you. You could do one or, or either or both of, of these things. One suggestion is that, that, that you take hold of Psalm 119, 100 on. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's, it's not an easy uh, psalm to read all at once, but it's conveniently broken up in 20, into 22 stanzas. Just read one of them a day. And actually, if you, even if you miss a few days, you could say by Australia Day, I've read the longest chapter of the Bible. And when I say read it, read it and reread it. If you've got a chance, read it out loud. If, if there are others who sit around your table at night, read it together. 
And, and as you read through Psalm 119, which is a celebration of God's word, but it's more than that. It's actually a long prayer which teaches you how to take hold of God's word and take it into your life. And so as you read it stanza by stanza, day by day, you could ask yourself a question. What, what does this part of God's word teach me to praise God? What is there in here that I could praise him for? What is there in this part of God's word that leads me to realize I need to confess sin to him? And thirdly, what is there here that I could pray for myself and for others? In fact, in so many ways, Psalm 119 does the work for you. The most common words in Psalm 119 are I and me and you, God. It's a personal prayer to God that teaches you how to take his word into your life. That's one thing you could do. Have a go at reading Psalm 119. I've done that a number of times over the last few years and it's been a great blessing to me. A second thing, a little more ambitious, which I think would be a really good thing to do as a companion to uh, John Dixon's talks, is to have a go at reading each of the Gospels before Australia Day. One a week between now and Australia Day. I reckon if you were able to do that, and it's often a, a time, I mean it's time when I find plenty of time to watch cricket and some of you will find plenty of time to watch tennis. You know, it is, a, it is a time of year when many of us have extra time. How good would it be if we used this time this year to invest in the Scriptures? And I reckon you'll find that as you read through Matthew and then Mark and then Luke and then John, the cumulative effect of that on your life and on your heart will be wonderful. So that's something you could do. And do yourself a favour as you do that. Get a little notebook and just jot something down, something you noticed. And collect those ideas together over the next month or so. So look, there's a couple of really simple things. You don't need extra books for that. Just read the Bible. You could actually read both Psalm 119 and four Gospels. It'd be great to be able to say you've done that by Australia Day. The first two parts of, um, of Psalm 19 celebrate the way in which God declares his glory through the created world. And which celebrate the wonder the value, the sweetness, the delight of God's written word that we find in the Bible. The very last part of Psalm 19 teaches us how to call on God for his help. Would you have a look at it with me there from verse 12? See, David says there, but who can discern their own errors? Sometimes we're quite blind, aren't we? We're clumsy in our relationship with God. We misread who God is. We, 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 we misapprehend the, the extent of his holiness. Who can discern their own errors? And so he teaches us to pray, forgive my hidden faults, faults that are even hidden to me. But he also recognizes, verse 13, how frighteningly vulnerable we all are to sin, gross sin. And in my experience, it's especially when we're under stress and tired that these things can just come out of us which almost shock us. But verse 13, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless, innocent of great transgression. David knows from experience, he's one of the greatest kings who ever lived, how vulnerable he is to great transgression. He was guilty of it, to criminal activity. And then finally, these beautiful words with which it closes, which we'll read together in in a short while. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, 
Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If you just look at that verse 14, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I'm sure when David wrote that, he was thinking about the psalm that he'd just written. But it's, they're the sort of words that you could use to pray for yourself moving into 2020. They're the sort of things you could pray for people you love in your family and around you. How good would it be if in the year to come, the words of our mouths, whether we're here in church, whether we're off at the office, whether we're away on holiday, whether we're in the privacy of our own home, wherever we are, where our words and, and the things that we do, wouldn't it be great if they were pleasing in the sight of our God? So I reckon this psalm packs a pretty big punch as it just gives us a chance to consider the wonder of the way that God has revealed himself to us, that he's stooped down and spoken to us and what beautiful things he has spoken. How could 2020 be a year where you make sure you take hold of the value that's there in God's word? How could 2020 be a year where you give yourself a chance of experiencing the delight that is just there, ready for the picking? I'm going to suggest that as we finish, you join me in reading these words that I hope are going to come up on the screen. These are some excerpts from Psalm 19. I'm going to get you on your feet and then we're going to sing. And uh, by the way, when we get to sing, we'll pass around the offertory bags. Um, for our regulars, you know what to do with that. For our guests, you could just pop that um, connect card in. Uh, we'd love to know that you've been here. Can we do this together? Yes? Excellent. Let's read parts of Psalm 19 together. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive, oh sorry, I've got to flip this on. That'll help a lot, won't it? But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen.